Good evening, afternoon, morning, whatever applies to you, and welcome to another EuroLeague. Uh, today, as always, I'm joined by Kira, fresh off our live show, which you can find the VOD for on YouTube. Uh, one thing I was actually disappointed about, though, is that we got mostly reasonable opinions, which I'm not sure is what we want at all. So, you know, up your game, people, and uh, give us some less... Are you calling oh. ultras mids instead? Wow, crazy. I can't believe you'd say that. Uh, well, you know, I, all, all I can say is, you know, I, I, in the cesspool that is esports, I thought we were guaranteed some absolute degenerate opinions, but apparently, maybe we're just that based, Kira. Maybe we only, you know, only super smart oh, the, the best. people, yeah, gravitate towards our strong field. Uh, I'm also joined today by Alucard from Helsing, also known as Nymera from the NLC. Uh, LEC and of course currently EU Masters uh, which is always a banger so if you filthy casuals that only tune into LEC make sure you catch the rest of EUM because after all that is the future of our region right there people so and always some good games uh, by the way I was actually I was unironically one of those people in the meme of like where it's like my face when I realized that Alucard is Dracula backwards that no was, not this that <laughs> was actually me that was actually me no but joke. which franchise do you, did you get that from? Because uh, that name has turned up everywhere. Okay, so I'll preface this by saying, first of all, I'm not a weeb. So I barely oh, watched... the Helsing thing then? Yeah. No, it wasn't even Helsing. It was actually oh, yeah. uh, Castlevania was the first... Oh, okay. Yeah. That's... Okay, so, a little and, closer. Oh, yeah, because I, I justified watching that on the basis that, you know, technically it's Western and therefore not anime. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah... So yeah, anyway, that, that is me in the meme. Uh, right, now, even though, you know, this is going to be a fairly short but uh, sweet episode because we want to fill your brains with waffly nonsense, I am still going to give you my patented with you rather before we get started here, which today is, I think this one's quite a, quite a doozy, uh, actually, I guess pun intended here, because I want to know, Nymera, would okay. you rather never need sleep again, but like, not that you're going to be like perpetually tired, but you're literally just... Satisfied okay, right. in that area, or never need to eat and go to the bathroom again, and you're always satisfied in that area. So no sugar cravings, you know, nothing. Never sleep or never mm. eat slash ever need to go to the bathroom again. Thing is, do you like sleep? But I also do like food. So this is actually a case of like, if I didn't need to do it, would I actually lose enjoyment of those things? That's the logic which I'm going with. Could I still sleep like to? Because I wanted to, if I'm like, I've got eight hours to do nothing in, could I just sleep to waste time? Uh, I guess. Or as a recreational <laughs> activity. I said, could I still sleep as a recreational activity? I mean, I, okay, well, so, we'll say you can nap. You can have one hour nap. Oh, if I can nap, I would, I would totally do the sleep thing. As long as I could nap, okay. that's okay. And uh, I'll, uh, I'll continue to, yeah. So that, you know, I'm upping my efficiency in a working life, the amount of time I have to live in. But like, a good nap is quite good for the soul, so mm. I'll uh, I'll take that option. Kira, what about Logic you? included. So the the first one is basically saying, would you like to increase your life by thirty three percent? Right, you whatever your life expectancy is, you're increasing it by thirty three percent, which is based. And the other one is is basically all like the social etiquettes and like social events, are, like half of them that you're ever going to be invited to, you're going to be non conforming to them. And an absolute weirdo. 
like forcing yourself to like eat when you don't need to and stuff like that yeah but so what I, what i would say is while you know if we're allowing naps we'll also allow you know like light snacking at a social event or something like you know you can always the case where when, you have have I, when have i maybe. ever went to like a restaurant and ever wanted to go for a light snack like catch a grip like no chance i would just abandon sleep and i would continue to like eat and stuff okay i will provide one one counter argument here which i think is somewhat going along the lines of what nymera alluded to as well which is that for me sleep is quite good at like breaking up passages of time and organizing things that i want to do and i think if i didn't ever sleep there would be yeah, I'd have to come up with coping mechanisms to get around the fact that there's not like this new day. Because new it's not like it's not like thing. everyone else suddenly stops sleeping as well. Exactly. So you're still gonna have these periods of time where like you're completely desynced from everyone. Like I'm yeah, pretty but sure you, you, just, could find... you would just read. You would just read. I'm sure that would work for a little while, but if you're doing this for like the rest of your life, you're gonna need to have a lot of coping mechanisms in there too. Um, I mean, I think biologically, the only reason we sleep is because we need to. There's no actual like biological like complete definitive answer for why. A person needs sleep but there are some folks who have gone for like 30 40 hours and it's just like yeah but that's out. what i'm saying yeah richard's saying he's removing those like things so yeah you, you, like, you, would, you wouldn't like yeah. yeah you wouldn't spaz out because you you know you don't get sleep yes yeah, so you're just you're just I still you're just think there would be a reasonable limit where it just time blurs i I think I, I agree with what Richard's saying in terms of like breaking up the passive passage of time is quite important there. By the way, I am picking the option where I never need to sleep. I'm just going to say that. But <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying, I think that there is like, that's the one, that's like the major thing I would lose is I am someone who like, I'm going to bed and I'm like planning like, okay, I'm going to do this, 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 and this. I really Reset, don't want to yeah. do that the next day. And then I do those three or four things. And then I put like, for example, like I have to do all my tax shit at the moment, right? fucking nightmare and there's like times when i wouldn't want to group doing that with doing something else because it would just for whatever reason mentally it just doesn't go well with me and i can break up these things using sleep as that sort of framing device almost and if i eliminate that that would be yeah a bit weird if you're just perpetually traveling consistently through time without any kind of contrived break in the middle then i yeah that would be a bit of a mental hurdle for me but i mean i have to pick the no sleep thing that's what i mean just to quote step brothers can do so many more activities so yeah uh anyway moving swiftly on uh i'm glad that actually for once Everyone didn't immediately go, oh, well, it's obviously this, because apparently most of my would-you-rathers are nowhere near as sort of divisive as I think they are. Uh, we'll look towards... Well, we'll go start with last week's games very quickly. Um, and we'll go in chronological order. So starting with Rogue versus Mad Lions, which that feels like a fucking long time ago, honestly. Like, that's actually crazy. That feels like so long ago. Um, now, obviously, this series, I feel like most people actually picked against Rogue. Uh, they hadn't been as dominant as they were in previous like, regular seasons. Mad obviously finished above them and had looked like the best team in EU for a patch of time during regular season. I guess everyone had. I mean, Excel did as well, right, at one point. But yeah, so Nymera, who did you have going in? And was there anything about this series that surprised you? Uh, I had Rogue coming in. Uh, I Ooh, thought okay. that when the Razor Cake was at its sharpest, perhaps they could be blunted. Um, I... Had a couple of reasons where I thought that I, I looked over the games which Rogue had against Mad in that individual matchup, and of course the ones from Spring are a little different, so uh, I didn't want to like put too much value on them. But in the summer games, I really looked at how, particularly Odo, 
could impact those games and every game it, well i guess it's just in the two of them but you could see this as a pattern throughout what he's been doing in summer as well he was just on a pick that would eventually just outvalue his opponent and he's a good enough player to take it into a player like armor who's not really going to upset him at that point so i thought as long as he has something like a gwen which we still see being very high pro or something like that that would work out very well for rogue Obviously, they didn't go towards that for a lot of that series. But I think what we could see is eventually he did have those outvaluing games on stuff like that on later into the series. I think um, I think what surprised me the most from this series, though, is actually how Rogue adapted to what was working very well from them and actually very clearly identifying that. So there was that game one where they had the, um, the Jarvan and it didn't really work out for them. And then I think it was at the end of game one, Kedril and I had basically different opinions, and there was this crossroads crossroads in the draft for uh, for Rogue, where you either just get rid of the Jarvan, it's not going to work for you, or you pick stuff to supplement it so you can at least start following up with it. And I think you could see with Rogue, um, when they picked enough follow-up, they ended up doing very well, and they kind of identified that through in the later drafts. That's the thing which surprised me, because sometimes Rogue haven't always identified that in a best-of-five setting, but they did do against Mad. So um, that's the first thing which stands out to me. Hmm. Just very quickly, what what are your thoughts on? Because this has been like a consistent theme throughout sort of recent shows in this meta. What are your thoughts on the Vi versus Jarvan thing? For me, I always just feel like Vi is just better Jarvan, but this has actually uh, it depends on the AD carry. Yeah, Vi's it depends better. on yeah, Vi is better into Zeri, Jarvan's better into Sivir. It's and also like Jarvan has <laughs> some earlier windows to impact lane. I think that Vi has a very high base efficiency like there aren't many things which really mess with her nowadays wukong used to but then he's kind of fallen off a little bit he's still good right but he's not just overwhelmingly crazy um a couple of other champions which vi was kind of less good into just seem to have like fallen a little bit a little bit out of the matter as well like some of the top lane champions which are very good at people just diving into them like one gp um so i feel like vi still has a lot of value right now um but obviously malarang does love his javan vi has a lot of value just as long as Zanzara's not playing it. Now, Kira, you obviously cheated and picked both Rogue and Mad to go through, so I can't no, really have you talk through your decision. Well, you did. That's not you true. You did. That's not true. Okay, because... let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Kira, did you ever, before this series happened, predict that Mad would beat Rogue, yes or no? That Mad would beat Rogue, yeah, I'm not sure. Yes, you yeah. did. Right, correct. Then, did you then, ever, before this series started, predict left. that Rogue would beat Mad, yes or no? That sounds like a weird answer to a yes or no question. Yes or no? Did you beat the, predict that Rogue would beat Mad before the start of the series? Yes or no? Yes. So my statement of you picked both beforehand is no, correct. Because no, no, I changed my mind. You're allowed to do that. <sighs> right, whatever. Anyway, as I'm clearly not going to ask you to talk you through, uh, talk me through, sorry, your decision process for that one. Give me your sort of general general thoughts on this series like did you predict that when you did ultimately flip-flop and land on rogue did you think it would be close did you think it'd be a three before fast before first draft was done what was your prediction last one uh, rogue would win three two so it was one was... three two okay yeah i literally i said it on thorn's show with the amazing and thorn i predicted rogue would win three two uh so but actually when from the opening game um so basically the first half the first basically half of the the game, actually, all the call signs for like mad winning were basically there, and then the second half was just watching mad's players just kind of fall to pieces in like the strangest ways, and basically that's something that's more characterised with rogue. Yeah. Um. 
but Rogue didn't really. Odo had an atrocious game five, but he was like bailed out from some amazing play from like Comp, Trimby, and yeah. Larson. As in, like, I don't think people just as a highlight of the series how risky that Caitlin uh, Lux bot lane is. If that uh, bot lane falls behind any amount of some uh, substantial gold, uh, particularly You're not valuable. Yeah, you're not valuable. The Lux must always not only have a CC threat, it has to have a kill threat. Um, and I would actually say that's probably one of Trimby's like best games he's like ever played. He was so unbelievably like clutch, particularly playing around like the dragon pits and executing on stuff. And I was basically a side to rogue that I really didn't expect to see them choose like a really high execution bot lane. And attempt to like win the game out through that. I don't think anyone would expect. I would have thought Rogue would have went for scaling, relied on the game. You know what I mean? They're all go back to their old attitudes, but instead they tried to front run the game, and they were rewarded with it big time. Even with someone who's probably considered one of their better players having a a pretty rough one in terms of Odo. Yeah. No, I think is this series to me was like complete narrative flips because yeah, you have the trim uh, the Trimby clutch game five where I think Trimby is definitely one of the people who gets thrown in sort of the team choke sort of uh, uh thing. He's an emotional guy. Yeah, he's an emotional guy, and it can get to him. Yeah. For sure, and also um, yeah, I mean the millisecond we were doing a watch along thing for the for that series, and halfway through game one or whenever it was looking like Mad was definitely taking game one, I said three zero Mad. Definitely 3-0 mad. I was like, this series only goes one way. Either oh. Rogue keep their shit together, or if they lose game one, it's just 3-0. Sorry, go on, go, go on, Kira. What's really interesting is this should have been a mad 3-1, right? Because in game four, that's the game where um, Aloya gets Unforgiven and Unforgiven and Kaiser so unbelievably ahead. They have a 30 CS. Uh, yeah, Kaiser. Yeah. Uh, um, close to stuff, yeah. Yeah, they have a 30 CS lead. The uh, Lucian has been completely frozen off of the turret, so has hardly got any of the XP. And unforgettable... ...the Lucian over and over again, rather than attempting to freeze the long wave, and they lose the entire game on that alone, because the Lucian's allowed to actually have like added like value. Like it was, but game Rogue three didn't... was so good from them for this though. This is the yeah, thing, like flip flopping between game three and four. And so I, I had a um, a sneaking. Well, no, I was quite vocal about this. I thought that EU Callistas were really shit then summer. I thought that we didn't know how to play Callista as a team. Individual players could play the champion mechanically. Yes, but comp have a load of good games. I saw a load of other players have pop off like one v one, two v two kind of dueling performances or whatever. But Callista is a map based champion, and if yeah. you can't. Um, as just being said, you know, in terms of like, get this crushing advantage of, you don't get access to farm. You are getting zoned off your bot lane tower. Your bot side quadrant of jungle camps is just completely forfeit. Then this champion is not as valuable because that's what it's based around nowadays. That's what's balanced around nowadays. If you watch the top LPL teams um, play around the Callista, level three, level four, something explodes bot side. Either it is a bot lane just losing two waves stacked up or it's jungler losing their life or camps and... Game three, Mad Lions did a really good job of that. Game four, I, I don't know what happened. It did just yeah. seem like it was much less precise. Yeah, yeah, they complete. Uh, it was probably one of the biggest of the entirety of like the playoffs outside of the madness and of XL Fnatic. An individual player in Unforgiven was basically given the game in his hands 
and he completely like blundered it through either inexperience, not knowing what to call for. Like uh, a lawyer could not have given the bot lane a bigger a bigger lead. You cannot conceive of a larger set of like lead than that. Uh, and they they fumbled it, and it was really really surprising to see because what when they fumbled that and then Mad Lions were rela- were reliant on just their own team fighting principles and their own very short range like draft that they had, you began to see the team just fall like really fall and really fall apart. I one other caveat I would say for the entirety of the series, in general, I would say Niski did not have the best personal mm. series. As well. I think what I hi- the one one of the trends I highlighted in them kind of came to bear where Niski is not as good a, a team fighting player as many of the other EU mids. I think, and that is no like caveat to him. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a very but it really hurt Mad Lines here where when they were equal. And on some of the picks that Niska was on, you began to see that begin to fall apart, and that begin to fall apart. Yeah, and it's I... a really interesting narrative there because he wanted to play like Doinby on FPX 2019. He said this in a load <laughs> of interviews, and it came to be actually quite like that. This split, but then the meta's changed away from just early game powerhouse wrecking ball into a bit more late game team fighting, where he's not found as much success. Yeah, yeah, I think if we were being sort of cynical, obviously it has just been one round that you can say like, oh, well, uh, the team that had the four first team all pros, uh, whatever, like, no. the, obviously <laughs> ridiculous. But what I would say is when it comes to Unforgiven, at least, you could argue that he's been the weakest performing AD carry in playoffs so far. I think that wouldn't be an outrageous thing to well, say. Well, we've had some really good AD carry yeah, performances. That's exactly. probably not yeah, that's, that's, actually, that's the yeah. That's the... Positive. That, that's not a dig at him. It's just yeah. there's a lot of good AD carries performing yes, right now. Exactly. Uh, I was gonna say, like the one area where you could definitely say, and this goes throughout like the ERLs and everything as well, is like Europe is that like where we do have a talent stack at least is yeah we've got a bunch of eight out of ten AD carries in Europe. Um, right. Let's swiftly move on to G two versus Misfits. We're not going to spend much time on this one because I think it went more or less how most people expected. Um, my one quick question: I just asked both of you. I'll start with you, Nightmare, on this. Is do you think there was like anything realistically that G two could have done, or do you just think there was too much of a golfing class? Um, in terms of Misfits, could have done. Yeah. I'm sorry, uh, in terms yeah. Of misfits, yeah. Well, well, I think. So it's not even just a golfing class for me because because there is, but for me it's that Misfits' biggest strengths are G2's even stronger strengths. Because Misfits are a team that win when they're ahead and they just brutally run you through when they have an advantage. And they do that by being very good at initiating fights when they have enough follow-up. And they do that by bluntly just outplaying in skirmishes and team fights. Now when I think of G2, they're really good at leveraging early leads and they're really, really good at just outplaying you from uh, even disadvantages, but when they're ahead, it's basically unbeatable at that point. So it feels like you have Misfits and G2, which have a lot of what Misfits do, just to the nth level. So for me, it was always likely going to be a G2 very one-sided. I thought that G2 might flip one game, so I did go for the 3-1 myself, and that's obviously what I ended up being. But on paper, this was very close to the result. Yeah. Uh, I have a feeling that Mr. Kira has, as he hasn't moved an eyelid in. Uh, oh, there, there we go. Right. You're left with me. I can, I can answer his opinion as well. I can reach through the psychic path. Okay, I'm not yeah. sure I can quite Let do that. Let me but... uh, just see what's happened here. If he's had a power cut or what is going on. Yeah, but I mean, I suppose when you're talking about the rest of that series, right? I think that. Um... 
even though on paper it was going to be G2 sided, I didn't quite expect them to have that level of performance. I think particularly the game one with the RE Nocturne, I said this on Twitter, I actually think that is the most comprehensive like RE team composition performance I've seen in EU ever. I think that is genuinely the best RE snowball comp um, I have seen from a European team. It's uh, not necessarily about the way they mechanically play it, but just about continually keeping the pace of the game very, very high and showing that skill set to another level in terms of how you can quickly accelerate the game and keep punishing an opponent was really impressive to see. And considering that is how some of the best teams globally play right now, outside the Agenji, which is more towards the team fights, particularly big skirmish teams like a RNG or whatever, that is a great skill set to show. And it's not like Misfits or Slouches either. So to do it against strong opposition, it's a good sign for them as a front runner in the region. Yeah, no, I could definitely, I could definitely co-sign that. As I said, didn't want to spend uh, too much time on this, and because Kira's died, there's a. Uh, I know, filled the space. A, yeah, more of a reason to to move on to the next series I wanted to talk about anyway, which was obviously Fnatic XL, which was this, you know, the series of the week, as it were, and definitely proved to be absolutely. Now I'm going to frame this question in you know one of the classic sports broadcasting ways to sort of you know give scope to give it either way here but did do you feel like this series was more about XL faltering when it mattered or about Fnatic just like finding themselves in the series and then showing they were the better team like having watched this series mm. do you feel like one team is better than the other and you you're comfortable saying that or do you feel this was kind of a I mean you can't in good faith say that XL played better than Fnatic when they threw those games. Game three and four were effectively unlosable. You, as a pro team at the top level, very difficult to lose in those situations. I mean, for there to be a catch of the thrown game, someone needs to be playing well too, right? And I think that particularly upset in the um, game-changing moments was very, very powerful on the Lucian, on the Twitch, whatever. Um, and I do think that Fnatic showed some very unique skill sets in their own way of playing out team fights as well. Particularly game five, I think Fnatic was them just just out playing and just winning. I think they were the better team then. But in games three and four, like I, I'm sure you've heard this before, but it, it was XL losing those games. Realistically, yes. you shouldn't be losing in a pro setting for that. Of course, when you get into a best of five and high stakes scenarios and high pressure, weird things happen. But even then, that is an outlier for those games. So uh, I'm a little sad for XL. I feel like they should have gone forward from this series, but. If they can't close out those games, what yeah. can I say? If you can't close that out, it's tough. So here's an opinion that's been bandied around, which might be difficult for you to answer without the frame by frame in front of you. But it has been said or it is being debated very hotly, sort of like, a, you know, are there more wheels or doors in the world kind of thing, where at the end of that game three, where if you recall the Gragas cast put Patrick into yep. the tower, there is a raging debate about whether or not, and also, by the way, we have the comms from this. We've heard the comms where basically Marcoon the jungler is telling his team to go to Elder Drake instead of trying to end because they don't have a wave. Um, oh, Kira's back. No, I'm, I'm on my phone. Have you stopped the recording? No, no, no. We kept going, mate. Don't you worry about that. The show doesn't stop. The show goes yeah. on. We keep going. Oh, there oh. he is. Excellent. Anyway... So, yeah, the um, Marcoon says that they don't have a wave, they can't end, and they should go to Elder. And Patrick No, they says, should never end there. They should never yeah. try to end. Okay. I was saying that when I was watching it at the time, and uh, I, I just got up the VOD in the background as well just to, like, reconfirm it. Um, basically, there are too many things which can block the Sivir Spell Shield and just, like, 
threaten her without it when you've got like Yumi Q still in it, like Gragas Q, which is still a fair amount of damage and whatever. Um, I think, you know, when you have Wonder Wave clearing on the Gragas, it was always likely that you were going to lose that wave. The fact that they then tried to push in without that. Some champions could get away with that with something like a Sorcerer's Pot. It's not like you have that, though. I, at the time, was going, you have to go to Elder. This should be just a closeout game. Um, yeah. And they, they flipped it and lost. Yeah, that's unfortunate. And this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is why you never let AD carry shot call. Uh, Kira, what was your thoughts, by the way, on Game 5? As Nymera said when you were uh, busy uh, arguing with Virgin Media, that um, the... You know, it's more like basically Fnatic did ultimately play the better games, at least on the in the back end of the series. Game five, I would highlight as a game where just, you know, visually, even as a, a pleb fan, we could see like loads of sedults being missed and like mechanical misplays by XL. Do you think that XL, if they would played out their comp competently, for lack of a better word, would have won that series? Or do you think that Fnatic had their number by that point? No, they caught like... Uh, Fnatic nearly choked out a game where Upset had a really rough Twitch one and then the unfortunate problem was in game 4 and 5 uh, 4 was where they had the really nice Renekton answer on Nalia, yeah, for the sh shield break, and Mickey X just choked out that full series, he thought that like amping the Ari damage was important it's not, like Ari doesn't deal damage, by the way just a little note, Ari went 0-7 and seven in playoffs that day and that really? one day, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't like EU Ari either. I'm an Ari one trick. I know, I know my shit when it comes to this champion. I don't like European Ari's. I think that Caps is good. I think Perks is good. Outside of that, you get a little bit. Mm. Yeah, oh, Larson, like, Larson won a couple of uh, games on um, on Ari. You, I seem to remember. You, the the uh, thing on execution for the champion, you have to have so much damage already built into your comp to make up for the fact that Ari deals like no damage. She doesn't deal like damage at all. So. And it was really disappointing to see basically Mickey X like run it down for his team in those games. Mark five game five was a bit I just Markun just had just mm. choked out the game. You can't miss those sedge ults and win the game. It's impossible. It's, it's, every time those sedge ults is missed, every time those Ornhorns are missed, a huge percentage of XL's percentage to win is just going down the drain. So you do think they had the tools to win that game? It was just mis-execution. Can I, can I interest you in an answer to Ari's damage? Magi Soul Stealer. <laughs> <laughs> no, a little bit. But the, the, one of the, like, the things that, one of the problems is, is when you've got that type of, it's more to do with the ratios when you have Yumi on like Ari and you're boosting. Oh yeah, no, no, Yumi should never be on the Ari. I agree with that. No, yeah, no. like it's a yeah. larger point about how I think that actually Ari does do damage and pros haven't figured out how to build the champion. Sometimes I think there's been a huge problem with building for the targets that you're hitting. Now we're seeing some Leandri's Ari coming out now to deal damage to frontline, and we've seen that largely be pretty successful actually. But we're still seeing a lack of comprehension that. When Ari is in a game where they're even or ahead, they normally have zero or one deaths. Like, they are very low deaths, and that means... And you have a passive, which is effectively a free triumph. You actually can start stacking up Dark Seal into Magi's, and that bumps up your damage. I believe in game three, I even said, actually, Nuke Duck had a point where he built an easy large rod when he had, like, a 10-stack Dark Seal. I'm like, that should actually be a Magi's at that point. And it's just yeah. missing that lethal mentality where, actually, you realize and you have that comprehension in your head that... I'm not dying this game. I have a chance to do more damage, and I need to do more damage to really threaten some of these carries. And that level of understanding, I mean, you can see uh, players like Knight do it, Yagao does it a lot. Obviously, Caps does it as well when he plays the champion too. It's not like this is like unseen dark tech or something. It's just a lack of comprehension of yeah. 
the age-old problem of pros building champions in niche scenarios. I think also as well when it comes to Nuke Duck, it's kind of on brand as well a little bit. Little bit. Like, little yeah, bit. He, he's yeah. not the most ag aggressive player in, the, in that sense. Um, right. Moving on to this week's games and of against the first series, obviously we see Fnatic again and they're playing against the team that we haven't talked really at all about yet. Um, I'm assuming at this point most people have Fnatic favoured, although I would... From suggest, what I've been hearing, yes. Yeah, I would suggest hearing. that a lot of that is also based on, you know, some fairly arbitrary things like historical precedents or whatever. I mean, G2, I think if we're doing sort of MMA mass here, I think most people would agree that G2 look like the cleanest team in Europe right now, and Misfits did get a game off them, and XL in the Fnatic series was very messy, and it was a 3-2. Like, if we combine those two things together, to me, that does not equal Fnatic should definitely win, but also you have this concept of momentum, and Fnatic look better at the end of the series, and look like they have their shit together. So where do you guys... Where where do you land on this one, Nymera? What what are your thoughts going into yeah. to what do you think of the win cons for both teams here? Yeah, so I am personally feeling like it's a misfits uh, slight favor. Um, as I was saying when we talked about the G two series, I feel like G two are his, just stylistically a bad match for misfits because a lot of the strengths which misfits have are in their ability to outplay and play from an advantage. G two are very good at getting those advantages and just outplay you even harder. So I feel like misfits. Drew a pretty bad opponent in that first round for themselves. I think that Fnatic have been a little more hit and miss on that front. I think that their early games ha are, they need to be consistent. And in fairness, they were fairly consistent versus XL, but they need to hit that really, really hard versus Misfits. Because if you give Misfits an advantage and allow them to team fight from even or ahead, they do tend to walk away the winner. So for me, it's going to be a lot on jungle matchup. I think that, um, I, I think when you have Zanzara versus Razork, that is a matchup which like needs to go Fnatic favored. If that in any way doesn't go to Fnatic, I don't see it actually even being like a particularly competitive series. I think that Misfits will run away with it. So early game's one thing, and I think the bot lane laning phase will be another thing because I think there's a lot of resources on both seat, both teams being thrown towards that bot side. And that's where it gets a little bit more tricky to predict because we saw Upset have some very good games, but Neon has also been one of the best performing AD carries in, in EU. Yeah. Kira, what, what do you think about this series? Where Where are you leaning? So I think this is actually a little bit interesting. I'll be really surprised with how good Irrelevant was actually laning. Uh, into, I think he laned better into Broken Blade almost all four games. Uh, so I was really kind of surprised. Is that a, high, a concern for Wonder in their top side? I'm not too sure. Zanzara Irrelevant isn't really a combo the same way Zanzara Vito is not a combo. And I think Humanoid uh, Razork looks like it's more of a combo now than it has ever been. Humanoid can push a lot of VEO's champion pool because he his champion pool is bigger and he also shares a lot of prio with VEO in terms of like you know the Silas, the Ari. I was not impressed with VEO's Ari. I think it was probably the worst of the playoffs. I think it was like outright shit. It wasn't and, great, no. No, I think it was fucking dog shit. And the the really the other good highlight is Fnatic aren't going to have to triple ban ADCs. They're not going to have to split Callista, Draven, and Nalia because uh, Neon doesn't have the same uh, champion pool uh, That's Patrick. that Patrick has. But here's the issue. Does Fnatic think that they want Lucian Nami? Do they think it's some like this powerhouse combo? And are they banning those things to enable that like bot lane? 
because that's a completely different story. And then, like, does Upset want to be playing Draven and Callista in these games if you're leaving them, like, open? Or is, well, are they, they were... banning them? Yeah, that's the thing, right? Um, yeah. So I was chatting to Treats about this, and he was saying that he thinks that you're going to see, like, uh, Draven Callista banned, like, all the time. series. And yeah. it's just like, why would you let them through? Um, actually, no, I'm, I'm trying to remember if he was trying to say that actually Civ is area banned every game, and then just no one's going to play the aggressive AD carries because, like, effectively they're banned already because no one plays them. They're off the table well, anyway. But Upset does play Draven. He played it in the first week of summer, and then he's not touched it since, which is why it's a little bit of a question mark. But when it is this big best of five, I mean, we've seen a couple of teams bring out something new to the best of five stage. We saw that with Comp playing the Zeri, which he hadn't played in summer so far. Of course, he played it back in spring, but... Um, Caitlyn and Benalia. And I'm, I'm actually really interested in seeing what they have been workshopping, because if you're coming in with these assumptions of, okay, this is the way the bot man is going to work out, if it comes in game one and they slap you with a Draven you weren't expecting, then... What happens in the rest of the games that series? You what, have to. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. No, sorry. I was going to say, what what do you guys overall make of the sort of uh, drafting philosophy, particularly of Fnatic? I mean, I think a lot of people, my, myself included, was I. Even though they won the series, I felt like Fnatic's drafting was a bit odd, and they had <laughs> priorities in. I mean, for example, do you do you guys co-sign my opinion that? Yumi shouldn't be getting through as much as it gets through with these setups. In so in game four, I can think you can see why they did it, and you can see the there's there is a there is a like a flaw of execution they need to find to make it worthwhile what they're doing. Because go watch, I think it's about twenty three minutes into game five, game five, where you see like Silas stealing Sejuaniol, and you see a Nami tidal wave completely separating the front line out from the back line. Now if Yumi isn't is on the front line, they get burned down with their tanks and they die anyway. The damage dealers are out of the picture. And if Yumi's on the damage dealers, then the Yumi's not in the fray either. What Fnatic did very well was separate the tank front line away from their back line, just burn them down. And that was a very important skill set to show because that is the way you can deal with a team fight without having to use flanks. As much as Hilly is not the most renowned range support player, he's typically been more of a creative engaged player. When he's played the Nami with the Tidal Wave and you have Humanoid and Asaya stealing away an Ornol or a Sejuaniol, that has been very important for Fnatic to sip, split up and zone out the backline so the Yumi doesn't become as much of a 5v5 issue. That's it at its best, but we saw what happened in the first couple of games when it didn't work out that way. Yeah, I, I also think that um, to something you've said before, Kira, which is, well, first of all, you haven't said this maybe, or maybe you have, but Mickey X is a horrible Yumi player, in my opinion. Like, absolute garbage Yumi player. Yeah, he's but dog shit. Mercer, as you pointed out, is actually a pretty good Yumi player. Like, does that change anything in this series for you? Or, or do you think it's fine? Or are you... I mean, previously... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Previously, okay. you've said he's he's decent on the champion. Is Do you not feel... Yeah, he's decent, on, he's, decent on, he's decent on Yumi. But it's like, his people that he's like to be like glued onto are like a lot like easier. Um, That's true. Like he only really, he never like Misfits never actually had. So if you think he's a decent like Yumi player, Misfits never actually had the tendencies to be putting the Yumi on the front line. The Yumi was always either on like Vu and or like Neon, and Neon would be playing like Twitch or Sever, where it's like an absolute no brainer. That's why Mickey X's like choice of targets is like so disappointing because it's like so obvious, mm. uh, and so it's it's like absolutely like hamstringing. Uh, Mercer's like an okay like Yumi player, just like Mickey X just ran it into the ground like and and an unbelievable an unbelievable speed. 
Um, People watching this, by the way, are losing their minds that we're talking about, like the spectrum of skill required to play Yumi. Like this, this is no. There's a well, lot of memes about that champion, but like there it's is that a huge difference. Yeah. It's, it's more about a timing thing. It's just like, are yeah. you on the right person at yes. the right time? And so, yeah. if like the pro that and a couple of the scenarios, if like people are like meme and fanatics, like drafting, they had th three insanely good answers. They had the Renekton against Nalia for the shield break, because um, when Nalia pulls everyone in with her whirlpool, um, Renekton then shield breaks her, and then they were able to like insta-kill her. But were they able to insta-kill her because the Yumi wasn't on her? You know what I mean? Like, Would the Yumi have been that just enough to be able to get her like over the edge if you had had like, the exhaust and the kills, that type of thing? You know what I mean? We'll, we'll not really know, but it was a good adaptation in draft. They also had the Twitch. The Twitch was a great adaptation in draft because it outranges the sever, has permanent kill threat on the sever, um, even though upset piloted it very, very poorly and nearly lost the game with his oh, missed position. He had a lot of things going against him that game though. Like there were some really creative uses of like the knockdown off Knock you can't. Are you gonna say the knock all. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there are a couple there are a couple of moments like that and I was like, okay, he's got a harder job. He did also attack move into a bush he didn't have vision in in the knockdown ult because you lose vision in the brush. Yeah. He clicks forward and he goes, oh crap. Oh now, like there's a silence of me or whatever it was. I know it's not said not. So I'll give you. Yeah. Okay. So he he attempted to go into the sever and then got his like uh, uh, long range ultimate turned off three times by Nocturne. I thought by the second time this guy is going to have learned that they're going to turn it off. And I was like, yeah, you have to wait it out because this Nocturne not won't stop me because I can't see. <laughs> yeah. So the, the thing that upset needed to realize was it's like if the Nocturne isn't used in his ult right to turn off my 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 ultimate. And Nocturne's doing nothing. It's not like he's like Nocturne's like like a cannon diving into your backline and like like killing you. If he's using his ultimate and stalling at the game, stalling out, not turning on his ult, you're actually winning because the champion shit without his ultimate. Go look at a Nocturne without. Why do you think they were spamming Axiom Art? He's absolutely. Anyway, um. So yeah, so to to put you guys on the spot then i don't know actually if nightmare maybe you have to give an official prediction on a broadcast or something so but where are you guys so you're leaning towards misfits uh can i get a score prediction on that um let's go who how bold were... i'm gonna say 3-1 misfits i'm gonna say 3-1 okay. and kira i don't think you gave a prediction yet where, where what do you what do you think happens here who wins? Uh, i think i think fanatic hammer them like 3-1 3-0 Okay, conflicting, and you're not allowed to. If I find out you've weaselled on another show in <laughs> no, no. your pick, then uh, you're in trouble. Right, moving on to the uh, final matchup of the week, which is obviously G2 versus Rogue. Um, yeah, again, on paper, most people would say just because everyone believes that I, you know G2 are a tier above the other teams. I think, I guess. You guys are probably both looking at G two for this one again. Nymera, if you if Rogue were to win, why would that have happened? If you woke up like you passed it's... out, you know, and they find out Rogue won, what would your guess be as to why they won? Um, G two don't force them out of lane too much, and Rogue just bend them to their playstyle where they can play around strong laning performances going into um, heavy engage comps where Malaran can just have the follow up he needs to have. And hopefully Rogue don't get snowballed on too much. Now, maybe if that's the case and they're solid enough and they're responding well enough to plays that you can see the worst side of G2, which is where if they make a play and it doesn't work, they double down on the play and that also doesn't work. So I think if Rogue just managed to kind of do what they did against Mad and in their victories just stick to their style in terms of 
these are the champions which you're comfortable on. As long as you have follow-up to support them, that should work. I feel like that can work again in this series. It's another level above because G2 have been so dominant in the early game, particularly playing around how Iancos and uh, Caps have just been like running over the map. But it's the same kind of logic for me. Right. Uh, so I'm guessing that you would imagine G2 will probably take this one. Yes, they're not going to do that, but that's how they win. Yeah, right. <laughs> Kira, what about you? How, how, how could Rogue upset G2 here? Oh. I've always oh how Rogue can upset JT here. Uh Larson needs to realise that uh, Caps and uh Yankos are looking to prey upon his like tendencies and he needs to be like self aware enough to like not feed into them. And Comp and Trimbe need to play like high execution, like aggressive bot lanes to try and pin Targamas to lane and try and prey upon like Flax weaknesses. Um, put him in under pressure situations, like dives with Malrang, where he will like fault or mistake. I think Flat is like the biggest bait ADC in probably the whole league. Um, I, I, this guy basically only plays with like a lead. I, I, I think if you have Flat, like basically attempting to like play the game from like an even like standpoint, where he doesn't have like insurmountable resources, I think that some of these guys, this guy's tendencies can be punished quite heavily. The only thing that really kind of like not scares me, and I don't think there is a solution for, it, is like Odo's laning and Odo in playoffs just hasn't been good. Broken Blade hasn't been brilliant either, but Broken Blade has like a massive like champion pool of like flexibility where that he can like go to. Where I don't feel like Odo's going to be like playing like the counters. Like for example, Broken Blade has Orn. His Orn's not all like that great, not the best Orn in the world, but it's, at the end of the day, it's still Orn. Are we going to see like Odo like punish that with a Gwen? Is that like a is that like Odo's mindset for like and is that Rogue's mindset for playoffs? I, I don't think so. I think it's way more likely that if Odo's on Orn, uh, Broken Blade is going to be playing the Gwen, like vice versa. I think yeah, you could create. Lots well, Odo was playing a lot of the Gwen in summer. Yeah. That was actually something which I thought they'd pull. Well, it was banned a lot yes. in in, in mm. the Mad series, right? And I mean, Odo is a good Gwen player, and uh, the well, one thing we think about, about it, is he just needs to be on a useful champion, not just like. Because well, the problem I had is that he had laning advantages on the Renekton, which you have to have, but you just couldn't translate them anyway. Yeah. It's like the, the reason they won because of the rest of the comp, not because of the Renekton. I want to see Odo on useful champions yeah. where he's just surviving. That's when I think Odo's at his best. Yeah. He's like he's just best yeah. higher value. Yeah. Best utility top laner. Like there's no point. Like even if he's you think. really you know, efficient. Yeah. If you think, feel like you have a slight laning edge, like unless it's fucking 2015 Forgiven or something, like you're playing top lane as well. Like I do think with his archetype, it is just much better to all in. As you say, so it's utility. So, if Kira, to your point, if, if you believe that there are potential holes or exploitabilities in bot lane, if you're Maorang, how are you playing around that? Are you playing towards bot to try and counter G2? Do you think that's the way forward? Oh, Maorang is just a fucking inner. So, like, I don't know what this guy does. Like, there's, there's no, there isn't any fucking plan in Let, let me Maorang rephrase, because just... I don't actually want to know what Maorang will do, because I think we could probably guess that. If you were Maorang. Oh, are you still with us, Kira? Oh, he's gone. You, well, you see, what's happened is Rogue have been listening. Um, and they've actually upgraded his setup. Okay, I was going to say, like, they've offed him, but I guess he's back. <laughs> 
Maybe. Well, I'll throw I'll throw it to you while while he's mm. uh, lagging his way back into relevancy. Um. So, would you, if you were, Ma- if I can put your brain in Maorang, because again, we don't want to predict the uh the whims of of Mister Maorang here. Uh, would you be playing towards bot side? Do you think that counters what Caps and uh, Yankos typically look to do? I wonder if you have to hope that bot lane survives in isolation because that's where they're most likely to in terms of a laning phase and then you stabilize the rest of the map. I think what's more important for me is not necessarily what Malarang is doing for the other folks on his team, it's what the other players on Malarang's team do to facilitate him because you know that Malarang is going to play the same way pretty much every game. He is incredibly creative. He's um, no, I, it, it would be. It, he, that's he is a bait word. Name, no, name here. That's a bait word, mate. Stop. We're ending this now. On this show, it's ending here. I'm not having. This is stupid. Sub, okay, remember when you were at primary school and you would have like a, a bunch of like a phrase or a sentence, and there would be like a little like black line underneath it, and you were to like upgrade your vocabulary by like substituting in like a better word. Now take creative. And Wait, put so do we just start like demonic screeching when Malorang starts pathing around the map? It's just. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want people to to realize and rationalize that what Malrang is doing isn't creative it's bad it's not creative like a, a like a complete buzzword it's wrong it's categorically wrong you can isolate it mm. and you can just say no it's okay yeah, yeah so it does bridge over into that sometimes yeah but what i will say is sometimes. that is best so um so one of my favorite regions to watch is actually the Viet- vietnamese league vcs is a very entertaining region to watch and i would imagine a lot of the same complaints that have that people have about Malrang could be leveled in the same way at about some way the the vietnamese teams play lpl as well don't they, worry yeah, sure, but 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 effectively the mindset is, if you are good enough at the game to know what is correct, you sometimes play as though it will definitely happen. So when someone turns up in the wrong place and you're like, oh crap, you have like five to ten seconds sometimes to make the correct response to the incorrect play, and yeah. if you're not on it and you're not reacting well to it, it's a pop quiz, right? And if you get it wrong... The next decision you make is harder because you're already behind in gold. You're behind a certain amount of resources. I actually agree the, with this, by yeah, the way. And that I mean, can yeah. be really so, important. But but that's just that all that is is now, now we're just into talks about that's high variance. And now we're talking about do you think G2 are a team that are going to falter to that high variance? As in, like, Rogue are a team that are supposed to win the LAC. So that means you're looking to beat the yeah, other team. But top G2 typically team. have failed to that high variance. They lose to the Vietnamese teams. They lose to the LPL teams. And they don't lose this to Rogue. Uh, they d- but maybe they can if Malrang is on form and the team is helping him and facilitating him and just being like, look, whatever he does, even if it's the incorrect play, he has to do it with backup. That's the more important thing for me because oh, no. when you saw against Mad, when when against Mad, when Malrang was just off doing his own thing and it was like, ah, oh, we don't actually have the engage range. Oh, we don't actually have the ability to follow up on this and it's into a Talir, which is stifling the engage. Um, it went very badly. I think that if he has the correct backup with the right draft to have loads of ultimates being fired out in the middle of nowhere, like an Ornol or whatever's going to happen with like an RE flying across the screen or whatever. I think that can be very important for them. And I think actually stylistically, that might be a, a threat we, to pull we, against G2. We do agree. As in like, you have chosen to have Malrang on your team. So you should double, triple, quadruple down on them. Like you have, like you have sacrificed your soul to Satan. You might as well get everything from the blood pack. Like that is like basically what Rogue should do. Like if you have a person, person with that type What's of like the- style... <laughs> What? The razor cake was blood magic all this time. <laughs> well, mate, like, well, which was going to surprise you here is like, I, I, I'm actually, I've, I said to Thorne on his show that regardless of what I actually think of the team, I will predict Rogue to win every single series until the final. So I am also in on the Malrang is going to get it done bucket. But not. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> but not, but not We've for any rational circle. You're, you're <laughs> the one who drew the demonic symbol on the floor, mate. That's how. That's, that's where this is coming from. But by the way, I have two. Okay, so I have two real world examples because I actually agree with what Nymera is saying. I also agree with what you're saying to a certain extent in that I do think half of what Maorang does is straight up bad, but I think a lot of it is self-aware bad. And I'll give you two examples. First of all, he has actually done this against G2 and it worked. They got swept in the finals, but people forget game three, Rogue were like 7K gold ahead. And yep. Maorang was playing like a fucking maniac, like an absolute lunatic. He wasn't in the right place at any point or the conventional right place, right? He was just doing whatever the fuck he wanted. And again, this is on a slightly different level. It, it's a, a, a while back. But if people remember when Gilius was on Vitality and he was doing all those like level two plays on Jackson, like all that crazy and early game shit. Yeah, 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 sure. But this, this is, you know, my, my point is those were Same not archetype. correct plays, but they are plays where you wager that they will work in particular scenarios or that, again, it's a concept of like bluffing and double bluffing to make it super simplistic. Like I'm, I might go rock, you know, percentage wise, you think that wins the most, but we both have that knowledge. So then I pick something else. Like It's the mind game. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah. But First of all, do you think Malrang is actually thinking like that? Yes, I think yes, I, I, I do. I do. Actually, yeah. I do think he is thinking like so you, that. You, you think Malrang consciously knows the correct jungle path and the correct farming yeah. patterns on champions. Well, and I'm he, pretty sure that one, every, of Rogue's, every... Rogue's Rogue's, one of Rogue's coaches went on a talk show and talked exactly about just this, actually, about how Malrang is abusing the vegetarian junglers of EU. Yeah. Is that Seal, yeah? But I, I, yeah, I don't seal, think... Yeah. I, don't... I don't give a fuck about what he thinks. Anyway, <laughs> so see, um, so see what you call Rogue. Like, Malrang, if Ra this is what I don't understand about this narrative, because I think it's a narrative. Malrang supposedly knows how to properly jungle, properly path, and properly cover, like, lanes, right? And then for 18 games of a regular season, he opts to not do it in a single game, and he opts to do high variance in all 18 of them. But why? Wait, what the fuck? Sometimes if it's not like in normal jungles, ten percent of the time, or twenty percent of the time, or thirty percent of the time, he chooses abstract madness every but that single doesn't matter. game. That doesn't actually matter though. Okay, imagine that Maorang is. Let's pretend Maorang's really high bad variance, in League of Legends. High variance can never. High variance can never be. Can never be correct all the time. I can go grab you like high high variance junglers. It doesn't all the need time to be. It doesn't need to be. The, the idea is that if you believe... And it's also that... not like the whole team is high variance either. Yes. I think the whole reason he can be high variance is because his laners are the lowest variance lanes in the game. In, in yeah. EU, anyway. They are the most rock solid. They want to stay in lane. They will farm up and they... But that they, doesn't they... make what he's doing good. No, 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 no. But it's like he his not all the time. That's, and that's why they're not the best team in Europe. That's yes. why they're not the best team in Europe. But they are competitive because it has found a tenuous balance between them. Because he's like he's drawn the eye of Sauron away from the Black Gates and away from Mount Doom. I think like, whilst, oh, look, I at, think, look no. at this puppy who's just like flashed over a wall. It's like, yeah, but you've got like a one who's scaling up to infinity or whatever, right? It it has worked out for them. I think Larson draws the eye, eye of Sauron from him because I think if Larson isn't just winning like all these lane matchups where Malrang isn't able to like isn't coming to like fix his lane and he's not being dragged about the map to like fix lane and address laning issues that like Malrang then gets to do like the things that he does like for example like I can give you like a, a quick one right like Malrang who you usually tell me has got like this high variance like playstyle I have seen Malrang blow summoners on bot lane like all four summoners and I'm like holy shit that Let's is amazing back, yeah yeah, I'm like, why? Okay, so if he's this high variance, high style gamer, and he remember he's supposed to know 
that what he's to do at any given time and then he doesn't go back and when, when he does go back the summoners are back up I literally want to take my head and smash it into a fucking death you, right? you have to keep in mind a couple of things first of all when I say like he's aware or can be aware of like what the correct pathing is the, the, this isn't like a black and white situation I think he has an understanding of that generally speaking that doesn't mean that he could always execute on it if he wanted to and it doesn't mean that the way he plays it's not rocket is, is it's not rocket science it's farming yeah, it jungle camps it doesn't order. matter but again like you use this example imagine that Maorang let's pretend Maorang is really bad mechanically at League of Legends he's just an absolute he's not yeah but pretend he is pretend he's an absolute oh, right, okay. garbage player mechanically and he's just and you say, oh, okay, but if he understands both styles, like high variance and conventional, then he should do, you know, one more than the other. No, not necessarily. If you're playing against okay. loads of different teams, just bear with me for a second. If you're playing against loads of right. different teams, he, he might just have it in his head. And by the way, again, the assumption is that his, what he's thinking is correct. It doesn't need to be correct. It can be wrong. I'm just saying, like, how I would imagine that he, he rationalizes it in, in his head is that he just believes that high variance, more often than not, is better than conventional. Based on and the you can see it work against some likes. teams. Yes. You can see it work against certain teams. And but, I think G2, historically, have been a team that are, they can get drawn into the madness. And Rogue as a full team doesn't do that, but Malorang just does enough to maybe upset what G2 can do. And I, I think that they do have the tools to make I, it work I, if they, if they, if they uh, are on form. I don't think he's I a genius Rogue, gamer, by the way. I think, I, I, I think, the op I think, I think he Mal should delve more into both. I just think that he basically thinks... I, play, I, I find that high variance works more for me more often than it doesn't, and I'm going to all in on that, which, again, I don't think is a smart thing to do, but it's it's not, like, super yeah, black and white. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. That's my that's that's my my my, my, critic, that's sure. my criticism. I agree, yeah. Like, yeah. That, that is a... Is, and, and, but that, to give Barring some, like, credit of, like, genuine thing, like, he is very, like... And this is where the word does is deserved. He is very creative in team fights. He has yes. a really good eye for, like, um, plays... Position it not always target selection. Sometimes his target selection can be a little bit iffy, but you can see the thought pattern of what was of what was like there. And so, yeah, that's something I could give him credit for. But if I was to watch every time I rewatch the Mad Lions Rogue series back, I genuinely believe Rogue win in spite of what Malrang's doing, not but not enabled like by it, and that's what scares me. Yeah, I think he. I I would say that... the games they lost were him engaging and the yes. team not having follow up. I think that's that's why I'm looking at this I'm like you just got to follow Malorang and what he's doing. Yeah, he's, he, gonna, he, he's going. He's going. He's going to play that way. He's going yeah, to play 100%. that. Way. You can't escape yeah, that. Yeah. Just draft something that can follow up with it. Just, and it is it is really it. worth watching that game three from finals last time because that is literally the we're all just following Malorang show for the first ten minutes yep. of the game. And I would say that it works out like it was best case scenario for those first 10 minutes. And then obviously, once they have the huge lead, someone there needs to have a big enough voice to be like, OK, let's slow the fuck down and play conventionally now because we're massively ahead and we're just going to win if we don't in. But Maorang continues to play how he plays. People continue to then follow him into bad fights. And, you know, it, it gets out of hand and they end up losing the game. And obviously, there's elements of tilt there as well, of course, because they were 2-0 down. So... Yeah, but uh, yeah, so to quickly get your, your thoughts on, on the And by the way, just to be completely clear, even though, you know, I was arguing, you know, both sides, I, I still think in the same way that I think if G2 replaced Flax, they could potentially legitimately be like a, a internationally competitive team. I think if Rogue, um, now that I think that Rogue have a pretty good understanding of drafting, to me, it seems from the coaching side, I think if they had a different jungler, they'd be 
fully unlocked. But I still think Malrang's a fun player to watch. But yeah, Kira, um, yeah, yeah, it's fun to watch. Get, uh, let me get your your prediction on on that series. And uh, I assume you're picking G two. What what score are you? No, going? no, Rogue three two. Oh, Rogue three two. Okay, so you're, for, you're... for no for no gameplay reasons whatsoever. Cue the Rocky music, guys. This is all narrative, baby. Theme music. I, this has been a this has been a roller coaster. <laughs> I I wasn't quite prepared for, prepared for like the emotional whiplash that I'm going. I'm going a G two three one. But here's Thank the thing. You. I love that I want Rogue to lose because I want them to do the reverse and win in finals. I don't That'll see be great. Happening, but I'd love again, it for their players. Love it for their players. But, uh, as we're yeah. as we're picking partially based on things that I guess we want to happen, I'll go with that. I'll say they lose to G two but win in the final. There you go. Brilliant. Right. That's gonna be it from us guys. As I said short and sweet, but thanks for joining us and uh yeah, we will see you next week. Bye guys.